So we've come up with these social principles, um, and, and it takes up a, a portion of our book of discipline. That's, that's our book of polity, that's church government and all of that stuff, but it, that takes up a portion of our book of discipline. Um, now, do you remember what I said last week? I talked about conversations, and when you're having difficult conversations about controversial topics, do you remember the phrase that I gave you? It was this phrase, if you're about to have a conversation with somebody and you think what you're saying could offend them or you might come to a point of disagreement, say, I could be wrong, but, I could be wrong, but, and then share your opinion. And it kind of defuses things and, and, and what it does is puts a little bit of humility in front of that. I could be wrong, but you're the stupidest person I've ever had the displeasure of having a conversation with. See, isn't that so much nicer? Now, that's probably the wrong way to use that, but it's, it's injecting a little bit of humility. Who thinks that our world could use a little bit of humility right now? I think so. Who thinks that our conversations could use a little bit of humility right now? Yeah, so, so that's what it does. And so I want you to know everything we're talking about in this sermon series, I'm proceeding it with, I could be wrong, but I wanted to share with you just, just a little, this is kind of the preamble to the section in our book of discipline on the natural world. Um, and... And I just wanted to share this so you can kind of have a, a little bit more uh, nuanced understanding of what the United Methodist Church believes as a body of believers about how we are to treat the natural world. So I'm going to read, this is the beginning of the section, and it's a rather lengthy, this is rather lengthy, but there's an even larger section on the natural world in our book of discipline. But I'm just going to start here under natural world. All creation is the Lord's, and we are responsible for the ways in which we use and abuse it. Water, air, soil, minerals, energy resources, plants, animal life, and space are to be valued and conserved because they are God's creation and not solely because they are useful to human beings. God has granted us stewardship of creation. We should meet those stewardship duties through acts of loving care and respect. Economic, political, social, and technological developments have increased our human numbers and lengthened and enriched our lives. However, these developments have led to regional defoliation, dramatic extinction of species, massive human suffering, overpopulation, and misuse and overconsumption of natural and non-renewable resources, particularly by industrialized societies. This continued course of action jeopardizes the natural heritage that God has entrusted to all generations. Therefore, let us recognize the responsibility of the church and its members to place a high priority on changes in economic, politi political, social, and technological lifestyles to support a more ecologically equitable and sustainable world leading to higher quality of life for all of God's creation. It's from the United Methodist Book of Discipline, 2016. So, so that is, is, that's what our church currently says about how we are to care for the creation. Um, now, when, when we say all of that, um, what we're talking about is our stewardship. I want to read a, a scripture that really inspires why we are to do this, it inspires why we are to actually take charge and, and be good stewards of creation. This comes from Genesis chapter 1. So this is at the beginning of creation. Uh, this is God, and he is laying out our purpose, the purpose of all humanity. And it says this, Then God said, Let us make humanity in our image 
to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said, be fertile and multiply, fill up the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the air, and everything crawling on the ground. Now, some, some translations of this will say that mankind is to take dominion, dominion of the earth. Um, that, that, that translation, while, while accurate, um, sometimes gives people the wrong impressions of what Christians believe about the earth. Sometimes it, it, it makes, makes some people, maybe even makes some Christians think that, oh, it's ours and we can do with it as we please and we can overuse resources, we don't have to worry about it because now it's ours to consume. But that's not what it says. Um, and I like that version that's where it says, it says to take charge of, to be stewards of, to be people who take care of what God has given us. Um, there was a, uh, uh, Lynn White was a medieval, uh, is a medieval scholar, and he wrote a very seminal essay really tearing apart um, Christian uh, ecology how Christians handle the environment. And he claimed in a seminal essay uh, many decades ago that Christians and Christian theology are the reason for um, basically why the world is polluted. All of our ecological problems can be drawn back to Christian theology of dominion. He said, because Christians think they're outside of creation and they're not part of creation, they think that they can just destroy everything. It's just theirs for the taking. Um, and, and so, so he, he draws it all back, but that's just a bad reading of this, this uh, section in Genesis. We are not to be people who dominate in the sense of we are consuming God's creation all for our use. We have been given a gift of creation, and we are supposed to be stewards of that. We are supposed to be taking care of what God gave us. Um, I, I really love this scripture from Psalm 8. It says this, starting in verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you're mindful of mortals, that you care for them, and yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor? And listen to this. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all the, ox, the sheep and oxen, all of the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, we've been given this great gift. I don't know if this has ever been uh, your experience, but whenever I give, uh, when, when me and my wife, when we, we've got three sons, three young sons, and when we give them a gift and yet we find it on the floor or mistreated or stepped on, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel like the gift isn't that precious to you, right? Isn't, isn't that precious to them? It makes you feel kind of insulted because your gift has been tossed aside. And it's the same way with the gifts that God gives us, that God wants us to treat his gifts with respect. He wants us to, he wants us to actually tend to these things. That's what our job was in the beginning of all creation. So I want to talk about three things that creation, the three reasons that Christians should make a priority out of creation care. Three reasons. Now, um, has, 
who here has heard of the, uh, the parable or the, the uh, story of the, the golden goose? The goose that laid the, the golden eggs? Um, I could be butchering this, this version of it. But uh, the, the story goes something like this, that there, there was a, a man and his wife, and they, they had a goose that was on their property, and they found one day that the goose laid golden, a golden egg. And they're like, wow, this is awesome. And they, they, they take the golden egg in, and then they come out the next day, and they find that the goose has laid two golden eggs. And they're like, this is amazing. And so what do they think? Well, they think, you know, what probably is inside that goose is a big deposit of gold. If we just kill the goose and open it up, I'll bet we can get a lot of gold out. They kill the goose, and guess what? There's no gold inside. And I think sometimes this is how we treat our creation. Sometimes we treat it like the resources that God has given us are so good that we want more and more and more, and, and, and suddenly we kill the goose in search of the gold. So that, that, that's not how we should be treating God's resources. And God does give us these resources. These things that we, we get from the earth are good things, but how can we treat these in a good way? So the first thing I want to talk about as far as why this should be a priority for Christians, specifically Christians, it obviously should be a priority for everyone who is alive on the earth, but why should Christians specifically care about it? The first one I'm going to bring up is this. People encounter God through creation. People encounter God through creation. Listen to this from Romans 1. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain. For since, creation, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen. They've been understood by what has been made. Do you see what he's saying there? What Paul is saying is that because of what people see, what people can see with their eyes about creation... They're encountering God. They know something of God's immense, amazing nature by encountering him in nature. They can know God because they know the natural world. And when we mistreat the natural world, when we take away from the glory of the natural world, we're taking something away from the glory of who God is and how people can encounter him. The second way, the second reason creation care, that we should care about caring for God's creation is creation care is actually an act of worship. It's actually an act of worship. It's what we were created to do. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, listen to this. What, this is what God says about our role. It says, The Lord took man, Adam, and settled him in the garden to farm it and take, to take care of it. Again, when we've been given this gift of God's creation, and yet we don't take care of it, it's like we're saying to God that we don't care about the gifts that he's given us. Number three is this. To care for creation is to care for the least among us. Okay, now, this is where I think, you know, some people are like, well, why are we talking about this in church? Doesn't God cares about people. And, and, and theology should be about people, right? Well, if you care about people, then you have to understand that it's the poor who depend the most on natural resources in the world for their livelihood, and they suffer the most. The poor suffer the most from impacts of climate change, deforestation, overfishing, and other environmental problems. Now, if you remember, um, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Katie came, and she, she preached out of Matthew chapter 25. And I, I loved how she took that, and she really personalized this idea of, of treating people, the least of these, um, 
as Jesus. Because it says in, in Matthew 25, 40, it says, I tr- truly, I will tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we mistreat our natural environment, guess who has uh, a much outweighed impact? It has a much bigger impact on the least of these, the people who really do count upon the creation of God for their sustenance, for everything. Their everything is affected by this. And so, so if we say we're compassionate about the least of these, that we want to help the least of these, when we're cruel to creation, we're cruel to the least of these. That's why it really counts. Now, throughout all of this, we're going, to, we're, we're going to encounter, I think, sometimes a little friction with each other. I understand that. And sometimes we might get some pushback about our political opinions not quite lining up with some of these social principles of, of the church that we belong to. And again, that is fine. We, we, can, we, can, we, we can have those conversations and those disagreements, and, and I welcome it. If you, if you found anything I said today really offensive, please come up and tell me in an, in, in an inoffensive way, please. But can we all just agree that we really want to have God's view of this, that we really want to take a kingdom of God view, not a right view, not a left view? I, I think that what you're going to find is that when you try to align yourself perfectly with the kingdom of God, sometimes that's going to look really conservative, and sometimes that's going to look really liberal. And either way, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. But if we can just rest on the fact that we are just trying our best to follow a kingdom perspective on all of these issues, then I think that we can kind of try to stay on the same page a little bit better. Um, This stuff actually comes down to uh, not issues so much of industrialization or capitalism or, or these kinds of political things. In fact, it comes down to issues of the heart. There, there's a, uh, environmental lawyer named Gus Speth. And uh, Dr. Gus Speth was asked to speak to a gathering of Christians about the issue of ecology and environmental issues. And when he was meeting with his Christian leaders, here's what Dr. Gus Speth said. I used to think that the main threats to the planet today were pollution, biodiversity loss, and climate change. I was wrong. The main threats to the environment are greed, selfishness, and pride. That's the main threats, okay? So it's not so much those other things. They're born out, actually, of heart issues. And this is why I think Christians are in a specifically good spot to address these issues, because those are issues of sin. And we as Christians believe that we're different. We're made different because of one thing. We believe that we have a savior in Jesus Christ who saw our sin that was holding us back from relationship with, uh, with him. He saw our sin that actually cursed creation. That's what the scripture says. It says that creation is cursed because of the sin. Our sin that has done damage to all creation. But he made a way for restoration. And here's how God made a way. He gave us Jesus Christ as our personal Savior who came down. He died on a cross to make our, and and he was raised again on the third day so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we could be changed by knowing him. 
and that in this change, we can become restoration people. We can become resurrection people, not just resurrecting other people, but doing our best to care for everything that God has given us. We have, we, we have some of these answers that the world doesn't. And I think if, if the problem is greed, if the problem is selfishness, if the problem is pride, the world's going to be floundering for answers to those questions. But we have an answer, and that's Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ where we say we are changed because what has happened on the inside of us because we serve a good God and we want to live differently. You know, some people want to be saved in their hearts, but they don't want to be saved in their pocketbooks. And some people want to be saved in their spiritual life, but not in their political life. And it's my hope and my prayer for all of us that we become kingdom-minded people, that we're following Jesus in every area. My father-in-law, uh, who's one of my greatest mentors in my life, um, he's, he's a uh, pastor and uh, was a missionary. He's got an amazing testimony. Um, he, he was a, a heroin addict when he was a young man, and he was... Um, uh, actually trying to support his habit by uh, robbing drugstores. Uh, he got arrested and, and went to prison, spent t- some time in prison, and um, when he got out, he was uh, um, uh, meeting with yes, parole officer. I lost, I lost a word there. He was meeting with his parole officer, and um, she was a young lady, and he was convinced that she had a crush on him, so he, he was going to listen to whatever she said. And um, so... He, he was listening to her uh, talk about Jesus, and he had a conversion experience in, in, in his parole officer's office, and it changed his life. And I like how he talks about it. Some people say, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and, uh, and that's good. That's very Billy Graham-type language, but I love the way he puts it. He, he says, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. And here's why I think that's a little bit different. Um, if you ask Jesus into your heart, he can just be a little add-on, can't he? You can say, I asked Jesus in my heart. That's one extra thing about me. But when you give your life to Jesus, you're saying, I'm going to be different. This is going to be different. I am going to live my life in the Jesus way of life. And so that can't stop in how we treat creation. That can't stop in how we live our political lives. That, that has to touch everything. We can't leave Jesus out of any spot. Um, I want to get to a couple of little pra- practical things uh, that you can take away. Because I, I think some people might be like, okay, we're talking about creation care. That's great. I can, I can believe that. But what do I do? What, what do I do? Um, what I'm going to encourage everybody through this whole sermon series as we're talking about these issues um, You have been given, if you are a follower of Jesus, a helper. That helper is what's called the Holy Spirit. And we believe that when we when we follow Jesus, then then we're given this indwelling, this this indwelling that that can actually give us some whispers of what we can be doing. So sometimes I'm 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 gonna just ask you, ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do? What how can I change things? Um a real practical thing. There's a website that I found. can we put that website up there, um, Noah? It's called 50 Ways to Help. It's 50 very, very basic things that you can do to conserve energy in, in your home. 50 tiny things that you can do um, that will make a difference. So 50waystohelp.com, 50, 50 it's just a great resource. Uh, maybe, maybe show some of these things to your kids and say this is what we as a family can do to try to make a difference. The other thing is a prayer. 
I'm going to give everybody a prayer, and we're going to use this prayer every week of this sermon series. It's really, really simple. The prayer is just this. Lord, use me. Very simple. And, and it's very individualized. We all live different lives, and maybe some of us, uh, what, what we do has a bigger impact than others on, on how it affects God's creation. But we all can be used by God. We can all be used by God. And so in all of these weeks, as we explore these things, I want us to ask that question. I, w- I want us to ask God, where, where do you see me doing this in my life? And then pray that prayer, Lord, use me. I'm going to invite the, the band back up. And if, while they come back up, would you pray with me? Lord God, as we're exploring these things, these issues of how to live out the Jesus way of life, I ask, Lord God, use us. Use me as an individual. Use my family, but also use Salem as a church, God. What what does Salem need to do to be stewards of your environment, to be stewards of the things you give us? How can we be a people, Lord God, who can address these root cause issues that affect the world all around us? Lord God, we pray again, Lord, use us. Let us be a church that is being used by you to change this world, to be a restoration people, to be a resurrection people, Lord God. Again, Lord, we pray, use us. Amen.